Good day, and thank you for standing by. Welcome to the Wix.com conference call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star 1-1 on your telephone. You will then hear an automated message advising your hand is raised. To withdraw your question, please press star 1-1 again. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. I would now like to hand the conference over to your speaker today, Emily Liu, Investor Relations Analyst. Emily, please go ahead. Thanks, Chris, and good morning, everyone. Welcome to Wix's fourth quarter and full year 2022 earnings call. Joining me today to discuss our results are Avishai Abrahami, CEO and co-founder, Nir Zohar, our president and COO, and Lior Shemesh, our CFO. During this call, we may make forward-looking statements, and these statements are based on current expectations and assumptions. Please consider the risk factors included in our press release and most recent Form 20F that could cause our actual results to differ materially from these forward-looking statements. We do not undertake any obligation to update these forward-looking statements. In addition, we will comment on non-GAAP financial results and key operating metrics. You can find all reconciliations between our GAAP and non-GAAP results in the earnings materials and in our interactive analyst center on the Investor Relations section of our website, investors.wix.com. With that, I'll turn the call over to Abishai. Thanks, Emily, and good morning, everyone. 2022 certainly was a challenging year, but I'm happy to say that we finished on a strong note, and we are entering 2023 a more efficient company with a clear path to increasing profitability. Our Q4 results illustrated our ability to respond to the changing environment. We generated $52 million in free cash flow in Q4, our highest quarter ever, and ahead of our guidance. Revenue in Q4 grew to $355 million, also ahead of our guidance. Our increased focus on finding efficiency in closely managing cost growth allowed us to drive considerable operating leverage during the quarter. We will maintain this focus for the coming years, and I believe it will enable us to emerge from this time as an even stronger company. Throughout 2022, we managed for several challenges and changes, including persistent inflation, forex volatility, the invasion of Ukraine, and overall global uncertainty. This is all on top of consumer behavior on the Internet resetting to pre-COVID levels. Despite these headwinds, the strong fundamentals of our business, along with continued successful execution, resulted in revenue growth and profitability finishing strong. Revenue in 2022 grew 9% year-over-year to $1.4 billion on a constant currency basis. Revenue grew 11% year-over-year. Much of this growth was driven by our partner's business, with partner revenues growing 29% year-over-year as we continue to successfully capture more of the professional market. Neil will share a bit more about our latest potential operational updates in a few minutes, and Lior will then drive 
dive into 2022 financial results as well as our outlook for the coming year. But before that, I want to provide some more details on how we are evolving our marketing strategy to create greater amount of efficiency with these investments. As we mentioned last quarter, in September, we began to test, test to adjust our marketing approach to focus on higher intent users. We accelerated this testing throughout Q4, reducing our acquisition marketing investment by nearly 50% in the quarter compared to the previous year. The results of doing this were fantastic. Despite reducing acquisition marketing by half, we have seen stable new code booking. We believe the driver of this success is the strength of our brand. Our investment in building a global brand over the, five, over the past 15 years have made Wix synonymous with relevant general, general keywords on the Internet. We plan to continue this new marketing strategy and expect investment in acquisition marketing to remain at these lev reduced levels throughout 2023. We also plan to shift dollars to invest more into our brand to drive future growth. While we increase focus on operation and efficiency, our strategy to build the best platform and amazing product for millions of users of all types around the world has remained unchanged. I am extre extremely excited to highlight the recent launch of Wake's website creation with ChatGPT, where ChatGPT is used to create text and content in a website. This product combines our leading innovation in, a web, in website creation with our expertise in AI technology, which started with the market-first introduction of Wix ADI in 2016. AI text creator uses OpenAI's chat, open ChatGPT to allow users to add specific text and create professional content on their websites easily within seconds, removing the pain point of content writing and generally improving the user experience. We are implementing AI technology in a number of other ways as well, and I'm excited for the pipeline of amazing product we have in store for 2023. Before I turn it over to Nir, I want to take a moment to extend my gratitude to the entire Wix team. I'm very proud of the way the team managed for this last year. Particularly, these teammates have been and continue to be directly impacted by the war in Ukraine. Our thoughts remain with you and your families. Because of all of you and the incredible work you do, the potential of weeks in 2023 and beyond is unbounded, and I'm excited for what is yet to come. With that, Neil, over to you. Thank you, Avishai, and thank you, everyone, for joining us today. As Avishai mentioned, over the last year and a half, we greatly increased our focus on operating efficiency and general prudence across the business. Our efforts actually began at the end of 2021, as we were making plans for 2022. Due to increasing volatility and uncertainty, we began thinking more carefully about how we operate. We reduced our hiring activity and took a closer look at what was working and what was not. As we moved through 2022, volatility continued with the war in Ukraine, increasing energy prices, high inflation, and currency fluctuations. 
As we did not see improvement to the macro environment, we recognized we needed to take the next step to help us achieve our profitability targets. In August last year, we parted ways with many people and took much more caution around expenses across the company. This rigorous review of our operations did not stop after this cost reduction plan. Throughout the remainder of last year, we continued to examine our operations across the organization. This ongoing focus, along with technological gains achieved in recent years, led to uncovering additional cost efficiencies, and we made the difficult decision to right-size the organization further to meet current demand needs. Sadly, this meant asking approximately 7% of our employees to leave last week, which primarily occurred across our customer care organization. While this was the right decision for our business, it was not taken lightly. I want to extend my deepest gratitude to those impacted and say thank you to everyone who has participated in our journey. This headcount reduction, in addition to the efficiency and actions implemented throughout 2022, will bring down our total headcount from nearly 6,100 at the end of Q1 2022 to roughly 5,200 at the end of this current process, reflecting a 15% decrease. Related to these reductions, we expect to take a one-time charge of 20 to $30 million in Q1 due to severance and modifications of our, of our real estate footprint as we align our office space with operating needs. In addition to reducing the size of our care organization, we also implemented hosting efficiencies and further operational expense savings. These recent actions are expected to yield an incremental $50 million of cost savings in 2023 or $65 million of savings on an annualized basis. Combined with the cost reduction plan announced last August, we have found a total of $215 million of annualized cost savings compared to the three-year plan shared last May at our analyst day. These savings will allow us to achieve our path to profitability faster than we previously predicted. With that, I will now hand it over to Lior to walk through more details on our financials. Lior? Thanks, Lior. Let me start off by running through our numbers for Q4 and the full year before turning to some of our updated long-term profitability expectations compared to what we shared last May at our analyst day. I'll work it up with some thoughts around 2023 outlook. As Avishai mentioned, the fundamentals of our business remain strong, which led us to exceed the top end of our guidance range for revenue in Q4. Total revenue was $355 million this quarter, up 6% year-over-year and 8% on a constant currency basis. Total bookings were $371.8 million in Q4, also up 6% year-over-year and 10% on a constant currency basis. Transaction revenue was $38.9 million, up 8% year-over-year. This growth was driven by higher GPV of $2.6 billion, up 4% year-over-year and a higher take rate as adoption of WIC's payments continue to increase. 
Powder's revenue grew to 94.6 million, up 23% year over year, as more and more partners are building projects on Wix. Most impressively, this quarter, as a result of all the actions that we have taken to increase efficiency, we finished the year with free cash flow of 52 million in Q4, above our guidance range. This made Q4 the most profitable free cash flow quarter in our history, excluding investments in our new headquarters. And we expect to continue this momentum in 2023. Moving on to the full year results, total revenue in 2022 was 1.39 billion, an increase of 9% year over year, or up 11% year over year, on a constant currency basis. Total bookings were 1.47 billion, up 4% year over year, or up 7% year over year, on a constant currency basis. Our increased focus on efficiency led us to improve gross margins and greater operating leverage in 2022. This led to free cash flow within the range of our prediction at our analyst day in May 2022. We followed through with our commitment to reach our margins targets this year, and we plan to exceed them next year. Due to our focus on efficiencies, we have a strong path to profitability. We now expect to achieve key financial milestones we laid out in our analyst day approximately two years sooner than previously anticipated. Our total non-GAAP growth margin is expected to increase to 66% in 2023, with an exit margin of 67. And Creative Subscription's non-GAAP growth margin is expected to reach 80% in 2023, a level we did not expect to achieve until late 2024. Non-GAAP operating expenses are expected to be down to 59 to 60% of revenue for 2023, a level previously anticipated for 2025. We now expect more than 100 million of non-GAAP operating income and positive non-GAAP net income in 2023, targets previously anticipated for late 2024. And we now expect positive GAAP operating income and GAAP net income in 2025, targets previously anticipated beyond the three-year horizon. Our expectations is that our partners' business will generate positive free cash flow by mid-2024, more than a year ahead of our three-year plan shared in May 2022. The momentum achieved in 2022 and continued steps toward greater efficiency going forward demonstrate our full commitment to reaching the rule of 40 in 2025 under varying growth scenarios. Now, let me review our outlook for Q1 in 2023. We expect total revenue in Q1 to be 367 million to 371 million, representing approximately 7 to 9% year-over-year growth. For the full year, we expect total revenue to be approximately 1.51 billion to 1.54 billion, representing approximately 9 to 11% year-over-year growth. I mentioned earlier improvements in both total gross margin and creative subscriptions gross margin in 2023 which will be driven by savings from cost efficiencies in customer care and hosting. Non-GAAP operating expenses in 2023 are expected to be down year-over-year to 59 to 60% of revenue as operational efficiencies from our cost reduction efforts materialize. 
We also expect sales and marketing expenses to be 27 to 28% of revenue in 2023, a decline from 32% of revenue last year. As Avishai mentioned, as we evolve our marketing strategy, we are lowering our acquisition marketing investment throughout 2023 and plan to invest more into our brand in order to drive future growth. Because we see stable new code bookings, we will reduce acquisition marketing investment going forward. We plan to take a portion of these savings and invest them in brand marketing activities. We will continue to develop specific plans through the, the first half of 2023 and expect brand marketing investment to be higher in the second half of 2023. We currently estimate this increased brand marketing investment to be roughly 3 to 4% of revenue in the second half of 2023. We still expect lower total sales and marketing expenses in 2023 compared to 2022 as our efficiency improved from this new strategy. We expect depreciation expenses of approximately 17 to 19 million, non-headquarters related capex of approximately 8 to 9 million, and headquarters related capex of 50 to 55 million for the full year of 2023. The headquarters capex was a bit lower in Q4 2022 and a bit higher in 2023 than we had, uh, when, than we had communicated last quarter due to the timing, to timing reasons. The total cost of the projects remains the same. Free cash flow excluding headquarters investment is expected to be roughly 152 to 162 million or 10 to 11 percent of revenue in 2023. We expect free cash flow margin to improve as we progress through the year and exit 2023 with a free cash flow margin of approximately 12 to 13 percent driven by, driven by the new efficiencies implemented in the first half of 2023. Finally, stock-based compensation is expected to decrease to 15% of revenue in 2023, down from 17% of revenue in 2022, as it across the organization declines. We expect stock-based compensation as a percent of revenue to continue to decline year-over-year year through 2025. The accelerated profitability expected in 2023 will put us on the path to achieve the rule of 40 in 2025. With that, we will take your questions. Thank you. At this time, we will conduct the question and answer session. Our next question comes to the line of Matthew Fowle of William Blair. Matthew, your line is open. Please go ahead. 
Hey, great. Thanks for taking my question. Wanted to ask uh, on, on the partner business and specifically the B2B partnerships, how is that pipeline looking for 2023, and, and are you expecting to, to sign any significant partnerships in, in 23? Thanks. So this is uh, this is Leo. I believe that we have uh, you know increasing the funnel all the time on a, on a quarter over quarter. Uh, we're actually increasing the funnel in terms of potential partners. Um, we obviously don't expect huge partnership to be signed every quarter, um, but it will be at least uh, once a year. And we do have in the funnel a few of them. Uh, so obviously we are working on it. But on top of it, there are many uh, others. Like they are not like you know 50 or 100 million dollar, but but 10 million dollars or a few millions of dollars uh, that we are working with and signing every quarter. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Mark Mahaney of Evercore ISI. We're promoting him into the Q&A right now. All the detail on the... Um, and Mark Mahaney, your line is open. Yep, uh, I'm here. Thanks for all the details on the change in, in marketing strategy or the, the efficiencies in marketing strategy. Long term, do you think that you've got um, kind of sustainable cost learnings that mean that sales and marketing as a percentage of bookings or revenue are materially lower than what you had had before? I'm trying to get at uh, how much of this is kind of durable um, cost efficiencies out of marketing. If there are any long-term targets you, you've thought about with uh, sales and marketing, that would be uh, appreciated. Thank you. Hey, Mark, this is uh, Leo. Yes, definitely. I believe that, uh, you know, in the future we are going to see the sales and marketing dropping as a percentage of revenue. I think that this is exactly, you know, where we are today. And, you know, Avishai mentioned that in, in his, um, you know, at the very beginning. I think that we build a very strong brand that allows us to do that. Um, and in parallel, you know, we are going to um, increase investing in brand, but it will be only a portion of the saving that we got from lowering the uh, uh, investment in acquisition. Uh, so I believe that going forward, yes, definitely we will see our sales and marketing, uh, you know, dropping as a percentage of revenue. And this is part of the leverage that we are talking about. Thank you. Our next question is being put into the queue. Our next question comes from Elizabeth Porter of Morgan Stanley. Elizabeth, your line is open. Great. Thank you so much. I was hoping just to get an update on the overall kind of top of funnel demand. I believe the letter noted reverting back to pre-pandemic trends. And back in Q3, you noted the top of the funnel was a little bit above pre-COVID. So my question is kind of what's the confidence level that the bottom on demand is behind us and what's embedded in your 2023 guidance? And if there's any pockets that you're seeing greater impacts, that'd be great to hear. Thank you. Yes, Elizabeth, thank you for the question. This is Avishai. I think that uh, the confidence that we have is the data that we have, right? We don't know if there's going to be another war, and we don't know what that the governments in the world would do and how they react to things and the economy crisis where it's going to evolve to. You probably have better uh, better estimation on that than we do. And the, so the confidence level is that what we're seeing for a while now is that we're in a new stable place, and that stable place, I think, is a, a kind of obvious, right, because there is an economic crisis and we are post-COVID. So I think what we are saying is that when we say we're confident in, in stability, 
It means that we don't see any information that uh, kind of uh, hints or give us a clue that there is a change coming. And uh, so I think that, that this is where our confidence comes from. The, all the information that we have is showing that this is uh, pretty much the level of demand in an economic crisis the, of the type that we have now. Thank you. I'm promoting our next question. This question comes from Brad Erickson of RBC Capital Markets. Brad, please go ahead. Thanks. So, uh, yeah, you gave the net subscriber number uh, like you normally do at the end of the year, which I guess was up, you know, call it modestly year over year, reflected a lot of that churn you've talked about the last few quarters. Talk about the top of funnel you're seeing right now for subscribers, new subscribers, and sort of what it's going to take to get back to the quarterly net ad cadence that you used to do before COVID. Just curious if we can get back to those types of levels here this year or next. Hey, Brad, it's Mir. So uh, I, I want to kind of uh, reiterate uh, our thinking around around, around uh, the net subs and, and actually give some more color. Uh, first of all, foremost, you have to remember we're always uh, aiming to optimize and drive higher cohort value. Um, um, this is, you know, this is uh, led also to our decisions around focusing on higher intent users. Uh, it's part of uh, what we've done in terms of, uh, 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 you know, uh, how we made our pricing decisions in terms of uh, being willing to take less subs but but at a higher price with a higher value. Now, when, when you think about what you see in 2022, you have to remember that uh, um, the cohorts of 2022 and 2021, which are relatively still young compared to 2022, were very, very big cohorts. They drove a lot of subs into the, into the system. And they've, you know, they've converted in, 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 in elevated numbers. They are retained at similar uh, numbers and percentages as previous cohorts. But because, because their sheer size is bigger, uh, because the heightened demand of COVID, when, uh, when some of them gets canceled in terms of the subs, uh, we were, that obviously creates an impact on, on the net subs throughout 2022. And th that specific behavior will probably last a little bit longer as these cohorts uh, mature and stabilize. Um, the other thing that, that we've seen is um, that the, the macro impact affects also existing courts, which makes a lot of sense, uh, because these are made also out of, of small businesses that are trying to retain and build a business in, in a much more challenging uh, environment. And lastly, another thing that impacted 2022 uh, was uh, the need or the decision uh, to eliminate the, our, our business in Russia uh, after, the, after it invaded uh, Ukraine. So I think all of those have uh, uh, were the, had that kind of impact on the RNA subs in 2022. But I, I want to say something which is illustrate something which I think is more important here, and this is the, about the ARPS. When you look at our ARPS, it is increased by by 29 percent uh, from 2019. And when you think about that metric, ARPS used to be in the past a very a very uniform metric for us because the, the, the variance between the different subscriptions was relatively very small. Um, and, and therefore, you know, it increased over time because we, we, we optimized prices, because we added more functionality 
and, and help people uh, drive them towards a little bit of the higher subscriptions, but it was still very uniform in, in general. In the last few years, we're seeing a change, a very significant change where we're getting much more complex websites being built on our platform for which the price point can go to the thousands and even to the hundreds of thousands of dollars, which means that ARPS is not uniform anymore, which also uh, explains why we're defocusing our thinking about net ads and focusing so much more about the absolute uh, value in the court itself. So I hope that answers your question. Thank you. Promoting our next question. This question comes from Egal Runan of City. Egal, your line is open. Hey, uh, good morning, guys. Um, I wanted to ask about uh, ChatGPT integration, and you, know, you guys have always talked about when you rolled out ABI, um, that was a big kind of driver of conversion. And I know it's really early, but just thinking thinking through that, if there's any parallels, and you know, if, if, if you expect that this might drive a bump in, in conversion um, you know, as we go through the year. And then just going back to, to the marketing um, uh, efficiency, just on, on, on that 50%, is there a, a little bit more you could share as to kind of um, the, the learnings from that? Um, you know, or is that you're, you're just targeting higher, higher uh, intent customers or users that are going to convert at a higher rate or spend more? Um, does that mean that you're focus less on maybe um, the DIY creators, um, the, the self-creators, as you guys call them, or is that not the right basis to make on that? Thanks. All right, so I'll start with the first one. Yes, you know, we've been, uh, I think, uh, when we started ADI, Wix ADI, which is uh, artificial design intelligence, right? It's a, uh, uh, was the first, uh, uh, I think, uh, AI product to the mass market. Uh, Maybe with uh, the exception of some things that uh, do voice to speech. The, so uh, we've been ahead of the curve on that for a while. Uh, Weeks today have a lot of different things. Uh, for example, we have a way for you to edit images with uh, AI. So, for example, if you upload a product, we'll clear the background and make the photo better. That's one example uh, that we released uh, a few years ago, AI, and now we introduced uh, ChatGPT. So this is really OpenAI ChatGPT. It's not uh, some hybrid we built. And we know that one of the hardest things for many people uh, is to write the content on the website. So by adding uh, ChatGPT, uh, we make it, uh, well, a lot simpler, right? And, uh, and a bit more creative in, in many cases. So I think it's a tremendous value for our users. Uh, and, and in the next year, you're going to see some additional very cool things that we're doing with AI now, again, to simplify uh, how our users are, uh, uh, how our users are interacting and creating a, a website, which is kind of a complex thing, right? It's a very complex thing because if you think about it, there's many different assets, right? You write many different pieces, all have to look together, the graphic has to come all together. So we have a lot of things we can do there to make a week simpler and better to use for safe creators. When it comes to uh, acquisition, so you're touching the right point there, which is, yes, this is, if you look at the brand, which is a very strong brand for safe creators. I think we did a very good job emphasizing that. What we've seen in the last, uh, you know, pre-COVID, 
we already seen that the brand was separating itself from the rest of the clutter uh, in, during COVID. And a lot of new people have arrived that uh, were not thinking about building OSA, but now they had to. So it was a mass opportunity to educate a big portion of the population about Wix. And, uh, and, 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 and last year we started to notice that the brand has become so strong that it's more than the generic, generic way that people actually look for, uh, for Wix. So that is all for self-creators. And, of course, uh, we've proven that now by the fact that we can actually eliminate a lot of that direct uh, acquisition and, and, and the brand equity holds. The next thing that uh, we're doing, of course, is building, uh, starting to work on a similar strategy for where we are less strong. And that's why we will continue to invest in branding and, of course, with, uh, uh, with acquisition. But uh, as we all, uh, even if we go after partners, right, where on very uh, complex website, the brand value that we have from Wix and the investment that we did carries into that, that which is enabling us to do that with a smaller uh, acquisition cost. Thank you. Please stand by while we promote the next question. This question comes from Andrew Boone of JMP Securities. Your line is open. Thanks so much for taking my question. Can you help us understand the impact of the price and changes for poor Q? And then how does that relate to 2023 guidance? Thanks so much. So, so we still see the, uh, the effect of the uh, price increase that we did last year. And this one is going to continue, I believe, until May, where we complete everything. And this is, you know, part of the, um, of the guidance that we are providing, meaning that it's already embedded, uh, embedded there. Uh, I think that's very important to mention that we see also increase in output, obviously uh, not just a result of the price increase, but also for the change in mix in our customers. And I think that also Neil spoke about it um, and, and provide some explanation about it. Uh, but we see a, a major change in mix, which also drive the output, um, continue to drive the output up. And I believe that this is something that will continue also later, even after the effect of the price increase that we've made. Thank you. Bringing forth the next question. This question comes from John Byun of Jeffries. Your line is open. Hi, thank you. This is Sean Bion on behalf of uh, Brentville at Jeffries. Uh, two questions. One on, on the 23 guide. I'm wondering what you're assuming you know, on the macro. I mean, in, in the comments, you mentioned that the assumption for Q1 is that the macro does not deteriorate. So I just want to see you know, what it would be if we do enter into a tough U.S. recession. And then a quick second one, uh, just what, what you're seeing so far, quarter today, we're already two months in, um, and any change in trends since the Q4. Thank you. So, with regard to the macro, I think that Avisha mentioned that before, uh, we assume that macro as it is right now, meaning that we uh, didn't um, even try to uh, try to focus what will be the effect, you know, what will be the changes in the macro. Obviously, if we see that macro is improving, that will be an upside, um, especially around the um, the GPV and and the week's payments. Um, with regard to the overall guidance that we are provided, 
what we did assume is that, you know, that obviously fundamentals are still very strong. We didn't assume any change in our KPIs. Uh, we didn't assume any change in those fundamentals. And they, and they are very stable also throughout the first quarter, at least so far. Um, we continue to see strong growth in partners, and this is something that is really important to mention. We keep up talking about, you know, the growth, um, but the partners, we are still taking market share, and this is kind of a mode of a hyper growth. And I believe that this is something that will continue also in 2023 and, and also beyond that. Um, hey, John, in terms of uh, what we're seeing, Jamie, February, and kind of relates also what uh, Avishai's comments earlier. Um, so to this point, you know, I'm sure that you would, <laughs> would have loved to be the first management team to talk about the recovery, but sadly that's not the case. Uh, we don't see any decline, but also no major improvement at this point. So it's basically kind of stability at where we are now. Thank you. Promoting our next question. This question comes from Ken Wong of Oppenheimer and Companies. Your line is open. Great. Thanks a lot. Uh, I just wanted to dig into NRR. Uh, that took a bit of a step down. I'm just wondering if you could maybe uh, kind of give us a little context in terms of some of the moving pieces and, and how you think that number should settle in once the, the kind of demand environment stabilizes. Sure, uh, it's new here. Uh, so, so in terms of the NRR, you have to remember, first of all, that you know when, when you think about the kind of the step down, as you as you uh, put it, uh, it is compared to 2021, uh, which still had you know uh, a big component of COVID uh, that benefited it in terms of, of uh, the size of it. Uh, obviously, you know we still have uh, a positive NRR, so so we are happy with the with the result. Uh, when you look at kind of what made the impact, um, um, so I would say that uh, uh, generally speaking, we've seen, and I mentioned this before, the, the micro slowness also affects a little bit the existing courts, again, because these are uh, small, uh, tiny businesses that are trying to, to keep on working and, and maintaining the business in a, in, a, in, a, in a harsher environment, and obviously that has an effect on them. Uh, and to take even a bit of kind of a more deeper dive in what is where is the most of the slowdown, I would say it is around uh, commerce, and by that obviously also uh, the affected GPV that comes uh, with it. Um, but we we think these are uh, these are the main things, and we expect it to remain at pretty much the same level. Thank you. Moving up, our next question. This question comes from Trevor Young of Barclays. Your line is open. Great, thanks. Um, can you just help us understand what's informing the revenue acceleration throughout the year in 23? Is it FX headwinds abating? Because um, it would seem to me, based on your prior comments, that the lift from pricing starts lapping out in May, but then you're kind of contemplating a, a little bit of an acceleration through year-end. Is that maybe coming from the partner side, some of the Vista print? finally kicking in, just any color there would be appreciated. Well, so actually it's very simple. I think that, um, you know, Q1, when you compare Q1 on a year-over-year -year basis, you compare it to Q1 of 2022, which was very strong. So the comps are different. Remember that uh, the overall slowdown, you know, uh, more or less started during the spring. 
so obviously, you know, the next three quarters uh, with with uh, totally different comps. So you know, that obviously, you know, expand the differences. Um, nothing beyond that. Thank you. Promoting our next question. This question comes from Deepak Mathibanen of Wolf Research. Your line is open. Hey guys, um, thanks for taking the question. So first, wanted to ask about the product focus areas in 2023. I know you rolled out ChatGPT integration, but what are the main priorities from a product standpoint for uh, this year, and where do you kind of expect to see you know, meaningful progress, and then also potentially, you know, incremental contributions to uh, uh, top-line growth. And then, uh, Abhishek, uh, with the cost reduction you've done so far, I wanted to ask your views on uh, the efficiency levels. Do you feel like the staffing levels and then the odd productivity is at a healthy level kind of right now after these actions as we head into 2023? Thank you so much. Of course. So, I think the product focus is a... Uh, uh, well, the core of it is pretty much the same, meaning that we think that we have two heads going forward. One is uh, our, of course, self-creators business, where we have some very cool things coming, and, and you're going to see some additional announcements. A lot of them are in the area of AI, but not uh, only that. So you're going to see, uh, I think, some very exciting things coming this year. Uh, on the other hand, uh, we spend a lot on uh, the partners, and uh, we have uh, a lot of things that we need to do there. So that is uh, very exciting because it's uh, the creation of, there's a big gap in what we should be doing and, and where we are. So we're going to close a lot of that gap this year. I think Wix is going to have by far the best offering for partners uh, as we head into the latter part of the year. And uh, so that's uh, where most of our product focus is. I want to mention for a minute, uh, we just released uh, new packages for enhancing uh, uh, your utilization of Velo. Okay, we've released a product called Codex. Uh, all of those are products aimed only at partners, right, for people that actually build professional websites that are very deep, they need a lot of functionality, and I think we're going to continue to do that. You're going to see some additional very exciting things that we do for marketing, allowing our customers to do better marketing. So we have uh, some uh, nice project going there, and I think that we see really good traction. Uh, and with that, Neil, you want to take the next part? Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of the organizational productivity, uh, I think it's actually at a high level and increasing. Uh, I think, you know, uh, the changes we've done throughout the second half of 22 uh, were received extremely well within the, the company and have helped us become even better in what we do. Uh, you also uh, have to remember that uh, uh, late October we moved, we started moving into our new headquarters in Tel Aviv. Uh, that on its own had a fantastic impact on morale and on productivity because people can be work closer at a much, much, much better environment. Uh, and it also allowed us to uh, call back the employees to the office, uh, which we believe is a better way for us to operate and a better way for us to manage. Um, before we did the move to the new headquarters, we just did not have enough office space. So obviously now that has changed and is also a great contributor. Uh, so when, you know, when we're heading into 2023, 
uh, especially you know from that kind of a standpoint of the productivity and the 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 connection within the organization and the company, we're actually uh, feeling very, very confident uh, that we are uh, kind of uh, shedding some of the, I would say, the bad behaviors that we adopted during COVID, because we had to, but still did, and going back to where we're excelling in executing. Thank you. <laughs> Promoting our next question. This question comes from Chris Zhang of Credit Suisse. Your line is open. Hi, thanks for taking my question. I had a question on your partnership with Amazon multi-channel fulfillment. So maybe it's still early days in its adoption as it was rolled out in first quarter of 2022 when e started facing more headwind. But in the light of the recent availability of Buy with Prime, I just wanted to hear your thoughts about potential of deepening or your partnership with Amazon on that offering, or are you happy with the multi-channel fulfillment right now? So we're we're very happy with the progress there. Uh, I think it's a combination of, you know, being happy on that specifically and also, you know, developing uh, what we think can be a very interesting future relationship with uh, with Amazon uh, around commerce uh, uh, for our business and, and other things that we may be doing together in the future. Um, obviously, I cannot go into the details, but uh, but we are definitely happy with it. Thank you. That completes our Q&A session. I now would like to hand the conference back over to the company for any further comments. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Chris, for hosting that. Um, thanks, everyone, for joining today, and we'll talk to you next time. Have a good day.